Welcome back, everyone. Episode three of DRP, Darnton's Raw Podcast, the number one podcast in the entire world. For a chance for I, Emmanuel from 28 Division, get to interview and pick the brain of the greatest voiceover actor of all time, Christian <laughs> Darnton. <laughs> the biggest news to start off with is it Senator Warren? No. Elon buys Twitter? No. But the recent video that was posted on Saturday night, oh. Saturday evening, <laughs> Eastern time, Bitcoin is a shit coin. <laughs> I, I really, before we get into that, I have a story. Okay, tell me. You have time for a story? Tell me. So about three years ago. Yeah, tell me. 2019, tell me. I said I had to upgrade my watch, my timepiece. I had a simple one. It did the job. Not the greatest in the world, but still did the job. But I figured I'd upgrade. I decided to buy a Rolex Daytona, fully gold. Yeah. I received it. Beautiful. Cost 30,000 pounds. Wow. Amazing. Beauty. Get the Daytona, admire it. And then I noticed it tells the time well. Mm. It's a fashion piece. Mm. There's science and art integrated all into one. Beauty, as beautiful as any woman. <laughs> I wore it on occasion, once or twice. I said, this is an amazing piece. It serves the time of telling time, yes. But... I'm going to store it away for a little bit okay. because this has so much beautiful value, this gold masterpiece of a watch. So I stored it away. I felt bad for using it. I said, this is more than a timepiece just to tell me the time. I'm going to store it away, hold it away. And I took it out on occasion when I need it. But when I didn't need it, I stored it away. Three years later, that $30,000 piece became $90,000. You think I offended the Rolex creator who created his watches to be worn to tell the time that I only used it to tell the time on occasion. And there's something wrong with that. Is he mad at me? Have I offended his vision? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I don't think you have offended him. I think you've made a, a good investment. You've doubled, doubled your money at least within yeah. a few years. I think it's a good investment. What's your point though? <laughs> Well, my point was the initial intent of the Rolex creator and founder was to make pieces so people could tell the time. Is yeah. he going to get mad at me that I didn't use his piece as was fully intended, but I used it for another sort of issue or hole I had? It filled another void for me. Mm. It filled this void of having a beautiful piece of art. I secured it. I saved it. It increased in value. So... Not everything for it, I feel, or it's a question actually. Yeah. Am I, is there something wrong in not using something which what it was initially intended for? Have I done something wrong? No, I don't think so. I think with the case of art, with the case of a watch, like the one you have on now, are you yeah. storing that away? I think, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good investment. You can make good money, good return. Um, and, and, and I don't know if it's applicable to Bitcoin, which is where I think, I think you're going with <laughs> go ahead, So go ahead. Tell me where I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. Mm, okay. This is an interesting one. I, I, I fail to see the... Okay, let me stop by saying this. I own no <laughs> cryptocurrency. I did own BTC in the past, and I hodled for a while, if that's how you say it. Um, yeah. but, but not anymore. I, I, I'm skeptical of the whole, whole space. Um, I've gone down big rabbit holes recently in terms of BSV, BTC, what happened in inception phases, some manipulation that I think has occurred. Um, 
but but I question the underlying utility of BTC. That's that's my that's my kind of main point. Um, and 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 we can speak about this because I know we're going to have a long discussion about this today. Because you are a big big bull on Bitcoin. Tell me, you're a big bull. You're are you a maximalist or? I'm get, I'm going towards the maximalism. Okay. I'm going towards the maximalism. Not a maximalist yet. Okay. But I'm I'm unintentionally on my way there. Okay. So, so it's just my my whole story, which was fabricated. To, to highlight in response to your video, yeah. uh, Bitcoin is a shitcoin because, from mm. what I understand, your your issue is that we're not respecting the intent in the initial purpose. But my response would be, well, we had greater holes to fill right now. Yeah. So is it really sinful that I said, hey, I love this creation, which was meant for peer to peer transactions, but actually I could use it for this. Okay, let's and I'll let, use it for this. Let, let me throw you a, a softball here. And this yes. is, by the way, this is, by the way, I want to tell everyone before, before we go further, this is how you respectfully disagree on a stock. I mean, there's so many people that I've spoken to and they shout, they yell, they cry because I don't own their stock. And it's like, really? This is stupid. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I ask you, what if that watch you're talking about, the analogy of the watch, what if the watch doesn't function as a watch? It looks like a watch. It smells like a watch, but it doesn't function like a watch. The, the clocks don't tick within then would that still warrant an investment? Oh, oh. Would it still warrant, you know, hoarding away oh. for 10, 15 years? What do you think? That's a good point. So it's not working. But if the fact is that it's still increased in value and it's still beautiful masterpiece of art, science and fashion in one, gaining in value, I'm not going to hate on it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a good point that it's not that. I mean, that's a good point that, it, okay, did it fail? It, did you, you're, so you're saying it failed in its, in its initial intent, but does well, that make it a failure? Does I, that I, make it a failure? So, so when, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a building engineer now turning into an, a, a journalist. Yeah. Does that make me a failure of a building engineer? I'm not sure. Mm. Okay. This is, this, this is the thing with, with, with Bitcoin. First, I started as, what well, let's say BTC specifically. First, I started, um, I investigated this area. I've investigated this area for a long time. Um, and I owned Bitcoin a few years ago, right? I think it was about two, two years ago, I brought my, my first few um, pieces of a Bitcoin. And I gradually went up, right? Um, so I was, I, was very, I was very bullish on the underlying values, like the scarcity. I appreciated the, uh, I, I thought my original thesis was that code has value, right? So it's, even if Bitcoin doesn't succeed as a, as a medium of exchange, then there's still underlying value within the decentralization and that therefore okay. would warrant acceptance as a good investment. But I kept questioning this because I'm, I'm, even when I did own Bitcoin, I was very skeptical of the lightning networks and the layer two technologies. And that's a big issue for me. If they succeed, then I think there's, there's, there's value in, um, that there, there perhaps could be value in Bitcoin because you can build on top. You can do microtransactions, okay. which are really, really valuable, right? Um, currently, I, I wouldn't say it succeeded on a large scale. I understand that some, that there are some transactions going on. I think I looked yesterday, like 80,000 overall, uh, which is, you know, it's in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not much. No. So unless, if the Lightning Network can scale rapidly, as well as maintaining security, 
and um, decentralization or distribution to an extent is the word I prefer, then I understand that would warrant potential investment in BTC because you have the, the, the capabilities of doing micro, microtransactions, which in my opinion are revolutionary, right? But my, my original thesis, let's just go back to that quickly and, and let me know what you feel, think. My original thesis was based on the fact that decentralization of capital was so important, right? Because you can have a, a government that is trying to take away your capital, like in Canada or, or, or yeah. another situation. Um, but then I questioned that over and over. And I kept just going back to, I, I didn't think it was strong enough to warrant acceptance. Um, because what if, what if you're decentralizing capital, but that capital actually does nothing? Then is that actually an investment? So my main point of concern was that I'm concerned about layer two technologies in the Lightning Network. Um, if the Lightning Network succeeds, then as I stated, there may, there may be a very good investment there because it's a huge industry that's being opened up. If it doesn't, I don't know how I could argue, in my opinion, for myself, that, that Bitcoin has underlying utility. That was the, basically the main thesis. What do you think? I think that we're in the early stages of a 50-year program. And then in 50 years, this will be, this will be noise. This will be yeah. noise. And uh, so are you sort of walking back your comments that the Lightning Network is a patch job or a band-aid? Are you giving it a, a little more time to, to fix itself and, and work out the kinks? Well, I think that um, the, the BTC, I say core developers, but I don't like using like speculative language. When the original fork happened, uh, of BTC from the original Bitcoin consensus protocol, the developers behind that fork, I call them the core, right? But that, that's not necessarily a bad terminology. They they favored decentralization over other, um, you know, over huge scale on chain. So I do think that in order to successfully fix BTC, the Lightning Network is needed because mm. on chain, it, it's just not possible if you have uh, a one megabyte block size and decentralization to the scale that Bitcoin wants it to be, or BTC wants it to be, I don't think it's possible to have huge transactions occurring in consideration. Huge, of amounts, huge amounts of transactions, are you saying, is the issue? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, basically. Um, so volume, if, you, if, you, if you look at Visa or something, then yeah. they do, obviously, I think it's 20,000 per second or something. I may, I may be incorrect on that specific figure. But if Bitcoin wants to do that, they're, they're relying on layer two technologies. And maybe in 50 years time, all layer two technologies will be secure, um, they'll be safer, mm. and they'll have proven to work. If that is the case, I think there's acceptance in BTC, because then you have decentralization, you have security, um, and you also have, uh, you know, volume occurring on the Lightning Network, which therefore can enable microtransactions. My issue, going back to my original thesis as to why I sold, was because I couldn't see underlying utility and I don't want to speculate too much on the lightning network in consideration of the huge technicalities behind um, the lightning network. Well, well, my, my um, bullishness in Bitcoin BTC yeah. does not rely at all on the lightning network. Back to my point that it's filling okay. other gaps for me. The lightning network is beautiful. It's going to help a grow. But right now for me, I don't have an issue with payments payments is not my issue buying coffee that it's with bitcoin or honestly with fiat at this point is not is not a problem i have bigger problems in worrying that governments are printing our the value of our money away that they mm -hmm. have no intelligent management of, of the financial system and that they could seize my bank account 
That those are my worries. Yeah. And for now, if BTC is filling that hole for the most part, it seems like it is, then I'm happy with that for now. The growth, uh, the growth of the layer two networks, like in the networks, I, I have faith, uh, unscientific faith that it's on its way. If it works out good, let, let's keep advancing it. And I heard Nick Carter, I want to add this. I heard, I really listened sure. to uh, Nick Carter on Lex Friedman. And he mentioned, yeah, I watched really it a good. long time ago, but my goodness, the, you really have to listen uh, in. Yeah, I've loved, I love really that have, <laughs> There's a lot of like terminology in there, so it gets deep. But I was listening to more attentively this time. And he mentioned on Visa, for example, when you make a Visa transaction, the transaction is not final for 90 days plus. Mm. So with Bitcoin, for example, if you're using Bitcoin to transact on the Lightning Network, it is a confirmed finalized payment. So Visa too, he mentioned it's like on the fifth layer as well. Visa transactions are also scaled on layers and it's not a final transaction for 90 days plus and lots of fraud are, are involved with visa payments as well from, from bad actors, obviously, not from visa. So uh, visa, uh, beautiful. I went to uh, grab a coffee this morning. I scanned my face. I paid it. It works well, beautiful. But it does have also its shortcomings as well. So we use it. We love it. It goes well, it's fast, but it's not immaculate either. Yeah. So let's, let's not think that the visa network is Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well. If, if, let's say if it, if transactions can occur on chain, the thing with me, I, I don't. Punching. The thing with me, I don't. Um, I'm not an advocate of mass decentralization. I think it's important to define that word. And what mm -hmm. I mean by this is, is BTC community states that um, that that decentralization is necessary. I state that distribution is necessary. So in, instead of being massively decentralized to the extent of everyone running a node, let's say, what if you just had like a hundred thousand? professional ones what if you just had you know half a million do you really need like tens of millions of of, of individuals that can run a node uh, can you still maintain security with let's say a hundred thousand or fifty thousand or fifteen thousand that's kind of my, my my thing and and thereby if you follow that thesis if you have let's say fifteen thousand hundred thousand professional nodes um i i believe that you could maintain scalability whilst also having security so i'm skeptical of this mm, notion mm. of of over decentralization if you know what i mean i yes. question i question the necessity of that and, and and we'll see but i mean i go back to my point if the lightning network succeeds i mean mm -hmm. there's lots of innovations occurring the plasma network didn't work on ethereum but there's new innovations within the scene of layer two technologies if they work then i i, I believe then you have you know a range of benefits relating to BCC. You have decentralization leading to security, and you also have uh, the, the ability to use use mass transactions. But I hope that that kind of clears my my thoughts in my head. But these are just thoughts that I have all the time, and I and I question constantly. But you know Jack Mallers from Strike. Uh, yeah. Do you ever, yeah. Have you ever heard of him? Because he's he's a young guy. He dresses in yeah, hoodie. Yeah. He's like really casual, but he speaks in a very compelling way, and he and he seems very confident in his work with the Lightning Network. Like we'll see. I mean, it could be all talk, but he he speaks uh, very compelling. So he's he's an interesting one to to look uh, look into. So let's go. Let's go back. Um, let's Absolutely. go. Let's stick on uh, Bitcoin. Let's stick on governments. This is what I had to say. Sure, Senator Karen. <laughs> no, let's call her Elizabeth Warren, U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren, with all due respect, ma'am. She says, this is from Coindesk on March 31st, they tweeted, she says that it's time for the U.S. to move towards creating its own central bank digital currency, better known mm. as the CBDC. I'll read a second tweet in parallel. This one was from a couple of weeks ago. 
says the Bank of England tells ministers to intervene on digital currency programming. And there was this meaning they're in favor of the CBDCs. Do you, what do you think about the CBDCs? Because what I've heard so far is that they should be uh, taken with some skepticism. I, I think it's happening. Um, I don't know how good it will be. I mean, it kind of still goes, it, it still goes back to the original question of, uh, of, of whether individuals are going to trust um, the government to, to distribute currency successfully. I think governments are going to move towards that area, at least look into it on a more mm -hmm. advanced scale. But, you know, governments, they take years to do this stuff. It won't be at least five, ten years until a proper um, currency is, is distributed. And, and it's interesting to see how that would work and whether it would, um, whether individuals think it would, you know, fight against the original thesis of Bitcoin. Would you be concerned if suddenly, a, you know, a US government's cryptocurrency type thing came out? Would that... Hurt your well, I wouldn't. Bitcoin. I, I wouldn't be worried for Bitcoin. I don't think it poses any threat to uh, BTC or even other uh, any other cryptocurrency for that matter. But I think it poses a threat to every single citizen. Yeah. To have governments, because what I've heard from the worst part, just to take the conspiracy card again, is now that they'll have control of how much you spend and when you spend it, they can dictate. And I've heard this from, I believe, a Romanian gentleman. I could be wrong on the country, a, com a country similar in that region. They said when they were in, in dictator control that they were limited to the amount of money they were allowed to spend at the grocery store, regardless of how many people they were in their family. If it was oh, yeah. two or five, for example, you only had $100 to spend that week. I'm just throwing that number out there. So that is a huge possibility with the CBDCs. The government says, oh, you already spent $50 at the grocery store this week. Where are you going? It's enough. We're in a food shortage. We're in a famine. And uh, yeah, the no. same thing at the gas station it can never end. That's the worry, not for not BTC. It strengthens the case for BTC. I think people run to BTC or any other cryptocurrency or any other store of value. Gold. I, I think uh, I, I agree, actually. And I remember when you said that, um, Rishi Sunak, his name is, who is the, the chancellor in the UK, he has been at conferences recently talking about this kind of currency. And I think it was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I heard this a few weeks ago. Yes, um, yes. And yes. There, apparently it's some type of conspiracy in which, you know, we're moving away from the, the let's just say, the pandemic type era that we left. Um, I won't mention specific names, but we're, but we're <laughs> moving away from that era and uh, the speculation over control and where control will come from, from a currency perspective. Do governments still want to maintain that kind of tracking um, the, the, this authoritarian regime in which some nations have imposed on yes. citizens due to, due to the pandemic, of course. Um, so, so there's a question that, that was posed on the Joe Rogan podcast that these new currencies, these new cryptocurrencies could be a huge issue for authoritarian regimes and therefore mm -hmm. uh, could, could really be a, a huge threat. So I agree, actually. I'm very skeptical on, on, on this. Um, and I, I'm overall, you know, a libertarian. I'm very... Uh, I don't like, you know, being tracked or anything. Um, and I think perhaps you could argue in some nations um, more than others that if you have this, you know, central currency, cryptocurrency type thing, there's yeah. huge power given to governments, which I believe often leads to um, very, very uh, damaging results. Absolutely. So this scenario plus the inflation, I believe you, I saw, I checked in the UK, there's also an inflation of about 6%. Yeah. Have you, I don't. I didn't see the stat if the UK or the English bank printed any money over the last two years, excessive amounts of money. Have you guys uh, participated in that frenzy as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact figures, uh, but yeah, there definitely was, and that's led to inflationary periods um, exactly. around the world. So all this put together with the CBDC, 
uh, still has you doubting um, BTC or other cryptos? Or, or so my my question is, where how do you what do you see a store of value in the US dollar with your stocks, power yeah. with your stock? Is that for now that's your solution? Yeah, this is well. I think in consideration of that, the inflation is so high. Um, it's it's above what seven eight percent now in the US alone. Let's yeah. just take an optimistic view and say it's it's much. It's not as high as like fifteen percent, which some people posit forward. But I, I think part of my investment strategy is accounting for inflation. It's no good, you know, getting five percent per year if inflation's seven, eight, nine, ten percent, exactly. which exactly. it likely is. Um, so, so my investment philosophy is very much focused on. Um, you know, companies that I believe will exceed expectations, um, such as Palantir, in which in the past three months is like up 30 plus percent alone. Um, and I think Palantir has, has much further to go. So that's part of my investment philosophy and why I think in this current environment, um, it's important to have that in, in consideration. But you have to be careful here. Um, and this is a trap that I fell in beforehand um, a long while ago. And I was so cautious of inflation that I, um, mm. I, 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 you know, you, you go into to areas in, w- in which you think will exceed massively, but in return, they actually drop. Um, so yeah, that, that's yeah. the issue you have to kind of balance. Uh, you don't want to go into something that's too speculative and therefore, you know, it crashes 55% or something. Exactly. Um, well, that, that's what I was going to say. My, pal- my Palantir stock, I'm down 40% plus yeah. the inflation. I'm like, yeah. wait on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, that's an issue. <laughs> I, I think that's that's the thing that I've learned, definitely. You know, if, if, if you're so scared of inflation, from my perspective, there's a danger of going into two speculative stocks that you think yeah. will go up, you know, hundreds of hundreds of percent and therefore they fail and you kind of lose, lose, right? That's, that's the thing <laughs> you have to balance, which sucks. Of course. So you mentioned the tracking before that you're a libertarian, you're not interested in really being tracked, Yeah. but you have TikTok. I heard bad things about, I just got it to my brother-in-law asked me to get it, told me to get it. I got it. I'm always skeptical of them. Yeah. And then there's this tweet I wanted to read. So maybe we could comment on China as a whole. But this from March 31st from Bloomberg. Breaking trading is halted for 33 stocks in the Hong Kong in Hong Kong after some firms, including Chinese property developers, missed the deadline to report annual results. Thoughts on this, on TikTok, China in general? I, I don't invest in Chinese stocks. I invested in Alibaba and Neo actually, a long time ago. Neo was okay. a, ter- a very bad investment. And luckily, I came to my senses before it dropped to $18. I sold out at, I think, $50, $40 range. Um, so, I mean, I, I made a decent return, but I, I realized fairly soon that that was a bad investment, despite the fact that I gained. Um, on, on China as a whole, I don't invest in China anymore. I think there's, yeah. some, there's some equities in which just have outstanding risks. You know, Chinese equities do have outstanding risks in terms of the government just imposing sanctions suddenly. The government also are, are very scared of, of, of excessive growth within the sector of Chinese companies. Um, you know, we, we heard criticisms of, of Alibaba and Jack Ma because he spoke, mm-hmm. about, spoke out, out about this. Um, so the government definitely are um, this kind of capitalistic, communistic kind of weird mix, which is interesting. Exactly. Um, but I don't invest in China. I, I'm skeptical of the whole area and I, and I exactly. worry about outstanding risks. What about you? Are you in Chinese stocks? Or? I had a huge, huge mistake with Chinese stocks. And this happened in about April of 2020. Already the, the market was on its way down in that time period. Yeah. And then furthermore, to add insult to injury and uh, when it rains, it pours, but this was like early on in my investment career. So I invested in Luckin Coffee, ticket LK. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And it dropped 80% in, no. uh, in uh, like overnight in the morning because of uh, fraud. Yeah. They, they took it off like this, right? 
they let well, the it's shot down. They took it off a little bit later, but the damage was done. It dropped 80% overnight once. But there was already a short seller report uh, for months that it was out. And then I guess when it was confirmed, then the, 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 the stock dropped. So yeah, I, from then on, I, I took a really bad hit, uh, but a, a, an amazing uh, lesson lesson learned. And from that moment on, I said, I said, wow, uh, sorry. It's, it's like with stocks, like I with, cannot trust you anymore. It's like with Didi. Do you remember Jim Cramer saying, yeah, buy yeah. Didi. We love Didi. And the stock, <laughs> the stock crashed like 90% in, in a few days yeah, because they got delisted. They, they didn't follow, you know, the, the guidelines or something. So, so no way I, do I invest in China. I think there's, no. potential, there's potential to make money, but I don't like these outstanding risks, risks in which you can't course, actually control or predict. No one can predict, you know, the government imposing sudden sanctions on Alibaba or these big companies. So no way. And especially in consideration of the geopolitical events, like if Chinese, um, you know, if China does, does impose on Taiwan more, more, more aggressively, there's concern there also, which would destroy the stocks. There's, there's no doubt about that. So I don't yeah. invest in China, not my thing, um, but, but, but yeah, only US stocks currently. At that time in my defense, I just wanted a piece of the Chinese market because you know there was a lot of talk that China's growing exponentially, taking over the world. I didn't know that they were ill-intentioned many times. My, what, my brother what actually, had warned me. What actually happened? Did they- did, with, did they have, yeah was it fraud or something yeah fraud uh, just uh cooking the books with the numbers they were uh, they were doing something i i you know how they found out oh with the cups oh that's how the short seller report he checked the amount of cups that they were selling to luck and coffee stores and he saw it was like one tenth of what they were reporting as wow. sales so we checked that like the to-go cup something like that and he extrapolated extrapolate. so they were just cooking the books and i think the the ceo he left with all kinds of money so oh man what a Good lesson. <laughs> yeah, good lesson. But about fraud, let's continue. And we could talk about this tweet in particular. Yeah. Or more specifically, the, um, the Palantir stocks. But let's start with this tweet from Palantir Daily, our friend Amit. Palantir yeah. stock, uh, start. Palantir SPAC, Lillian, is under investigation for fraud about their electric jets not being able to fly. However, they seem to be getting rid uh, maybe ready to fly the skies of spain so there was this there was faraday futures that car company that i also remember reading about a month ago two months ago that there was some fraudulent uh, reservation numbers and then i'm not mixing Weijo into the the fraud at all i just have a question about Weijo. furthermore amit interviewed the ceo of Weijo this weekend he posted it did you catch it? What do you think about Weijo? I am trying to listen to the guy. Maybe it's my fault. I can't understand really the the really core of what they're saying. Maybe it's because of the English accents, or maybe <laughs> you, 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 you'll understand more than me. But on Weijo, I even asked Amit the question, and he asked he asked the CEO. Since Palantir is with Ferrari directly and can work with them without Weijo, why is Weijo needed for the rest of the market? That's like really a I think a question that would help me um, understand, but I'll let you go on with the Palantir stocks. Uh, okay. SPACs and first, the first things about the SPACs, uh, I spoke to Sachin about this and he, I have a thesis that, that he follows too. 
people are too focused on, on whether the SPACs are going up in value or down in value. The main purpose, mm. in my opinion, and the main value is the non-monetary benefit in which Palantir will see through battle testing their software within the context of these SPACs. What I mean yes. is if you integrate your, your software within the context of Lilium, within the context of Weijo, these smaller sized companies, you're instantaneously gaining non-monetary benefits from learning the lessons, from leveraging the lessons to other areas and therefore generating huge network effects. And what Palantir are doing is they're, they're anchoring their vision to 10, 15 years down the line. This is not a short-term strategy at all. This is much longer. Mm -hmm. It's visioned on, on a long-term vital competitive moats within the context of you know mitigation against Google or other competitors which may come. So it's a great strategy in terms of uh, battle testing their software and gaining competitive moats, but I understand. I agree. I agree with everything you said right now. Yeah, but okay. my, the, the, just the little hang up there is they're putting mon huge money into this. So I would feel stupid if my investment managers are investing in fraudulent companies. So I'll let yeah. you continue. Yeah, and, and I think overall it's 450 million last time I checked, which obviously is not a small amount at all. It's a mm -hmm. like a fairly large portion. If you look at Databricks and, and Snowflake, they do a similar strategy um, with just let, less capital. I think they do, you know, maximum 20 million. Lowest is around 1 million that they do, um, specifically Snowflake. So Palantir are going big. I think that mm -hmm. some of these will go bankrupt. Some of these will fail, most definitely. <laughs> I, I really do think that. And, and Sachin agreed. He stated that, yeah. you know, he expects some to go bankrupt. And also the strategy may not work at all. It's, 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 in a, it's a risky strategy. Strategy. Wall Street don't like it at all, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and I do expect some to some to fail. I do expect also companies like perhaps Weijo or, or some more advanced ones to successfully um, grow up, grow, grow in the in the next few years. I wonder how long their time horizon is. I'm not sure if you know. No, I didn't hear them mention that. I didn't hear them mention that. But I, I don't have a problem if even nine out of the ten SPAC deals fail and go bankrupt. I have a problem if they go bankrupt because of fraud. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. where I feel taken advantage of. And I'm like, uh, Palantir money managers, what the heck are you guys doing? Can you not smell fraud? I, I am. Um, due diligence are you doing? So on, on Lilium, I'll speak about Ouija after because I'm speaking to the CEO later the month. Um, really? Good. Yeah. We tried to Great. organize something a while back, but it just didn't materialize. I was meant to go up to Manchester to see him, but obviously oh. that can occur as well um, because okay. of logistical issues. But I'll be interested to hear his thoughts on, on Lilium before I get to Weijo. Lilium, I think, is I didn't hear that they were going through specific fraud in terms of financials. I was just questioning and heard that there was speculation over if they actually can fly their vehicles, right? Because of exactly. the wings, the way that their vehicle is, is made, etc. Um, so I don't know the specifics, but I, I really do believe that that the Palantir have made some good investments. Whether uh, Lilium is one of them, I, I don't know, but we'll see. I, I did read that short short uh, seller report too, and it was interesting mm -hmm. to see. Um, on, on, Weijo's, on Weijo, I think Weijo is a great business. It's a cool business. Um, and it takes me back to Peter Till's view on competition versus cooperation. And he states that sometimes cooperation is much more beneficial to everyone. Instead of directly competing against each other, if you cooperate together, um, you mm. can get gain huge benefits. And I mean, Palantir, are they really trying to, you know, gain data from every single vehicle in the world? They're trying to make an operating system, right, for, for software and data. Um, and I think if they venture out into too many niches then perhaps there's a danger um, but there are some interesting interlinks between the two um what did the, what did the ceos say to amit do you know um i don't remember directly i had the kids around so i gotta listen to more in detail but in reality maybe you could help me out when you interview him sure because he speaks intelligent it's not him the problem it's it's perhaps some of myself and it takes a lot of concentration 
but he speak the the it's not a one on one it's not a explanation for dummies so i would really need it like scaled down a bit to really get a grasp on it like i said and i think the main question if i can get a beautiful answer is like what difference does it what difference do you bring in because if we see palantir can work with ferrari well what are you doing i know that on their website they have a yeah, bunch of other true. services traffic lights constructions okay understand if there's road closures i don't understand the scale of that importance maybe that's a better way to phrase my my concern or my question like i know the road closures can can be helpful but right now i'm using ways as an yeah. application on my phone and they tell you that sort of stuff so i just don't i'm not i'm not seeing the full picture but this is an, a me issue <laughs> i need more research into into the wejo thing I, I think yeah they have a cool business in terms of uh they're trying to gain data from every single vehicle but but that's interesting what you say i mean palantir working with ferrari i wonder how that's working and they're using ai at the edge therefore in theory potentially they could directly compete with a company like wejo um i don't know i'll ask him the question um and hopefully yeah. you can get a good reply maybe just that because he speaks well but he's i find it's very technical you know sure. so if we get and i've and i've heard his interview they're highly technical if you could just for me <laughs> bring it down a level so i could like, really <laughs> even reiterate it you know the big words are nice but 